first read, the first reading is uh, from Isaiah chapter 49, verses 1 to 7, um, which can be found on page 596. Listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing at all. Yet what is due, what is due is in the Lord. What is due me is in the Lord's hand and my reward is with my God. And now the Lord says, he who formed me in the womb is womb to be his servant, to bring, back Jacob, to, to bring Jacob back to him and gather Israel to himself. For I am honored in the eyes of the, the Lord, and my God has been my strength. He says, it is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob, and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. This is what the Lord says, the Redeemer and the Holy One of Israel, to him who was despised and abhorred by the nations, to the servant of rulers. Kings will see you and stand up, princes will see you and bow down, because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. Reading is from Matthew chapter 28, uh, verses 16 to 20. Matthew 28, 16 to 20. If you've got a pew Bible, that's on page 811. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always the very end of the age. I feel like I'm in the um, Sydney cricket ground uh, in days gone by because they also had a hill on which the rabble lived and they would throw all sorts of things at cricket players and call all sorts of things out. Peanut gallery, hill, great to see you there. Look out for my bald bit on top. Um, I can say that because half the hill there I know. Um, and uh, I know them because of um, a long-term relationship, especially the back row on this side here. Um, and it didn't surprise me one bit that Naomi, after Kim, was the first one to pray. Why? Well, if you knew Naomi's maiden name, you would know exactly why because her parents taught her to pray and have a desire 
for people to go out in the ministry. So it didn't surprise me one bit to hear Naomi being the first one to pray. And it's great to be able to know that our identity is found somewhere. But I'd like to question uh, where our identity really comes from because we used to sing, didn't we? Father Abraham, have many sons. Anybody remember that? Oh, it does go younger than I thought. But there we go. <laughs> and we, we would actually say that oh, my identity comes from belonging to uh, Father Abraham. And we didn't read it, but I'd like to read those couple of verses in Genesis. It's easy to find, first book of the Bible. Uh, chapter 12, and they'll be very familiar words that you will hear as I read them. I'm not exactly sure why I'm actually finding it, but I, I will get words wrong if I don't read it. So Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. And as you think over, the, um, the second reading we have, Matthew chapter 28, just think how closely related Genesis chapter 12, 1 to 3 is to um, the, what is called the Great Commission at uh, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 uh, to the end. Let me read these couple of verses. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. As we look at the New Testament, we see um, a group of people, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they would actually say that, oh, we relate way back to Abraham, but in particular they relate back to Moses. And if we read, um, say, Matthew chapter 23 and following, we'd actually find from Jesus' lips that these guys sit in the seat of Moses. And so their authority comes from knowing Moses. Their identity comes from being part of the uh, law that Moses was given on Sinai and that they're actually progressing that law almost. So that's where their identity comes from. In Matthew chapter 1, there's a great genealogy there, but there's a hiccup in Matthew chapter 1's genealogy. And if you read through that genealogy, you will see a couple of wives mentioned in there, but the general rule is, this is the son of the father, this is the father, this is the son, this is the son, this is the son of, and it goes through the men until you get to the last person mentioned. And his name is? It's not rhetorical. That's an easy one. Jesus, yes. We used to have a person in one of the congregations I was pastor at, and uh, this person would actually answer all the rhetorical questions with one of two answers, Jesus or God. So there we go. I gave you the first one. The next one might be God. However, it, yes, it will be God, in fact. Because Jesus' father, although his, uh, the Mo, uh, Joseph is mentioned there, he is the son of Mary. If we turn the pages after Matthew chapter 3, at Jesus' baptism, 
who claims to be Jesus' father? That's the other answer. Good on you. God says, this is my son. God says, this is my son. I love him. He says it again, same, same introductory words at his transfiguration. And he says there, listen to him. And notice that the genealogy actually has that hiccup with the person of Jesus. I want to say, and as I look at some great surprises of the, um, of the Bible, are not really surprises at all because God's announced them already. <laughs> He's actually anticipated them. Because notice the promises, and especially the one looking forward, long-term, to Abraham, was in fact that you'll be a blessing to all nations. That was the last one, the last line I read. In Matthew, in John, uh, Genesis chapter one, uh, chapter eleven, verse three. I'll get that right. Genesis 11, uh, twelve, verse three. Uh, all the nations will, in fact, be blessed through you. And then, all of a sudden, we turn over the New Testament and we see something quite different, because rather than John the Baptist pointing back to Abrahamic promises. He actually says, the kingdom of God's at hand. He says, repent. Turn from your sins. So who is he talking to? He's talking to a whole lot of Jews who just came out <laughs> of Jewish towns who gathered to hear what this bloke's saying. Where's their identity? Where's their genealogy going to come from? If, in fact, they cut ties with the Abrahamic promise. Well, those surprises are there before us in Matthew chapter 28. But as I say, they are not surprises because they've been announced. So I thought that one of the, it's great to be able to read the Isaiah passage, uh, Isaiah 49 verse 6. Did you see the great surprise there? Uh, Isaiah was thinking, remember he was the one who was the reluctant um, um, prophet at first, but then all of a sudden, uh, God says, I want you to bring the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom back to me, God says. But there in 49 verse 6, he says, oh, that's too small a thing because I want salvation through you to go to all the world. <laughs> so the whole world, in fact, can have opportunity to come to God's kingdom. And so the terms are changed with John the Baptist. The Lord Jesus says... They live in the, or sit in the seat of Moses. There is something new happening now. And what does the Lord Jesus say to continue to build his kingdom uh, for his disciples? How, what, what's their job going forward? I'd like to look at those surprises. Matthew 28, verse 18. Matthew 28, verse 18. And he says this. Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That was a real shock to the church of the day. Why do I say it's a real shock to the church of the day? Because it confronted them. Who gave you this authority? Well, they obviously weren't there at his baptism nor at the transfiguration <laughs> because they would have found out, but they actually didn't see what he was doing and whom Jesus claimed his authority came from. And because they, they would actually say, who gives you the right to forgive sins? Remember the guy coming down through the roof? What do you want me to do? 
Oh, uh, your sins are forgiven. Which is it easy to say, Pharisees? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk. (laughs) So that you know that I've got authority to forgive sins, I'll get up and walk. And what do they do? They plan to kill him. (laughs) They plan to kill him. So this is a real shock to the Pharisees, the church of the day, to hear that Jesus actually had such authority. However, it was already predicted (laughs) way back, and if we tease it out, even Genesis chapter 3, that your heel will crush the serpent's head. The first declaration of a gospel statement in the Bible. Jesus had authority to forgive sins. And so he uses authority to commission his disciples. And interestingly enough, these disciples were commissioned to go into all nations and make disciples. Notice the Lord Jesus at this point, he sent the disciples off on two other missions and he sent them off to do particular miraculous healings. He gave them power to do that. But he doesn't do that here. He actually says, go and make disciples of people. The Lord Jesus is continuing to build his kingdom. The kingdom promised to Abraham way back then. And he says, go and make disciples of all nations. And he has authority to do that because he is the king of that kingdom. He is the Messiah. I'm teaching Sunday school tonight and it's a um, uh, great um, uh, healing that Jesus did. It took uh, two occasions to heal the blind man at that point. Remember that, that one? Where Jesus actually doesn't name the person but he actually, um, uh, the blind man sort of opened his eyes. I, um, people look like trees and they're walking around. Oh, well, let me do that again. And he actually healed him completely. And really this is an acted out parable because he tells his disciples, listen, don't tell anybody about me the being the Messiah. And in reality he's saying, don't tell them about me being the Messiah because you don't understand what that means really yet. You need to know that the king is in fact going to suffer and die so that people can come into the kingdom. I'm not the king who will actually march out there and actually fight people. I will actually die. I know this is the, that's the shape of the Messiah. And so this blind man, who was actually an acted out parable, um, you don't understand yet until your eyes are open completely. And then you'll understand. So disciples, wait for a while until you actually see me die, you see me rise, and it's for you I'm doing this. And then you can tell, me, tell people about the Messiah because I'm not going to come marching on a white horse <laughs> or something like that. So the Lord Jesus actually says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Matthew is peculiar at this point. The word go here is, a, is such a little word. And in fact, as in our English, um, just a little bit of grammar for those who are a little bit lacking, like I was until I finished um, college. Um, and, and, and this word go has no prefix and suffix on it. Whereas if you go back to a, a language which is complete, unlike our English, it has a prefix and a suffix. And the word go in English is usually an imperative command, go. However, it's not the case here. 
because this is a, a particular, peculiar word. It's, um, it actually is better interpreted um, like, um, as you jump, move out of this side of the church. And that's exactly what the word go means there at that point. As you go, make disciples of all nations. Which actually gets us to think, well, I know what I'm doing when I'm jumping, but as I go, is that, that the way I walk? No, Matthew says, and the Lord Jesus actually points us back to the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5. I might add, we have chapter divisions in that Sermon on the Mount because it doesn't finish until the end of chapter 7. Because we find there, the Lord Jesus actually says, ah, you need to be those who hunger and thirst after righteousness and you will be blessed. And he has a whole list of Beatitudes there, but he, has a, he doesn't actually finish with the Beatitudes that this is a, a meaningless sort of blessing that you have. But he actually says... Because of this, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. As you go, be that light, be that salt. And what's he saying this for? So that people can be like a moth going to the light. People will be attracted to you because you've got something to offer that they just don't have. And the Lord Jesus finishes that little section and he says, let your light so shine before others that they might see your good work and give, me, uh, give glory to God. What does he mean by that? Well, then the rest of chapter 5 to the end of chapter 7, he describes crazy things. He says, pray for your enemies. No, forgive your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What will that do? Well, um, what was his name? He got sucked up by a fish. Jonah. If I go to them, they might repent. Well, as Jesus says, forgive, pray for. I might add, just like Jesus did from the cross. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. As you go, display the righteousness, the fruit of God, that they might see your good works and turn to me and glorify me. It's an important little note here, isn't it? Because it actually says that um, maybe, I better not say this too loud, um, maybe I don't need to qualify through Trinity to actually be a disciple of Jesus, to go and to be able to help others become disciples of Jesus. But what do I do need to do? Because I need to learn what it is to be a disciple. I need to read, um, uh, let's say, Matthew chapter 5 to the end of chapter 7 uh, several times, maybe several times each week or something like that. I need to know what it is to be a disciple of Jesus so that 
the, the righteousness I seek, the, 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 the godliness, the, the, the fruit that I bear makes sense to me and so therefore I am able to live it. And so as the Lord Jesus says, go as you go, make disciples of all nations, be that light for the moth to fly to <laughs> because I can't help myself. Be that salt that brings such savour to the meat. <laughs> Sorry about the vegetarians. Uh, um, they, they can't help but salivate and want to get to the next bit. Be that light that points people to the to God and they give glory to God. Thereby disciples will be made. Uh, this, this is another surprise, I reckon. <laughs> uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Um, I'm reading from Matthew chapter 28 there. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is just another beginning genealogy. <laughs> It's an interesting one, though, isn't it? Um, do you remember how Paul explained baptism? He does it in uh, Romans chapter 6, uh, Colossians, and he actually says that um, uh, as you die with Christ, be raised with Christ. As you go into the water as if you have died with Christ, so come out of the water as if you were raised with Christ. There's a whole new beginning. There's a whole new life. And so here lies a new genealogy that Abraham was looking forward to. Now it's in the right sort of perspective. We've got the right roots now. <laughs> and it's not Abraham. It actually lies with my reception of the Lord Jesus as my saviour, the one who has made me new, not through my baptism. That's just a sign but because I've accepted the Lord Jesus as my saviour, the one who has taken the place that nobody else could take the place of, take the punishment my sins deserved. And I can now live as a secure child of God, knowing that heaven's home, not this world, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Yeah, let's read over the rest of the Matthew again. Let's read over Paul, one of those first um, uh, doctrinal statements that we have in Romans. What's it mean to apply being Christian to such a pagan society in which I live? Let me read through those. Let me read through Hebrews' reflection on, on, on biblical theology, starting from Genesis, and particularly looking at the fathers, how they were actually faithful to God, how Israel was unfaithful, then the prophets were coming. And, and, and don't forget to read Revelation. There's that great picture that John had as he peeked into heaven and saw all nations represented there before the throne of God giving praise to God. teaching them all I've commanded them that they might know how to shine themselves. A disciple has become a disciple to be a disciple maker. And why would I say that? 
Because I say that because now that I've been recreated in the image of God, his desire for my life and my heart's desire is in fact to save and populate more for his kingdom. And so it's not by command that I would go and make disciples. It's actually by desire that I'd make disciples. Because that's my father's desire. That's my saviour's desire. That my friends, neighbours, relatives would come to know the Lord Jesus so that we can share eternity with our God and Father. Um, we're sort of wise to the greatest part um, and, and it's a real surprise to us, the last one, and it certainly would have been a big surprise to the, uh, the church of the day because it really uh, it is, is a, a shock. And in reality, um, I get goosebumps every time I realise this last surprise. And it was ought to have been anticipated from Genesis chapter 1. And the Lord Jesus says, as you go, make disciples, baptising, teaching. And what's he say? And lo, I'm with you always. Do you remember the, um, the old, the, the, um, well, the New Testament uh, temple, how it was made? There were, there were sections of it. Um, you're actually allowed to have Gentiles out there somewhere. But then, then you can come in with a whole group of people and uh, then another group of people. But there's a spot there where the high priest could only go there once a year. And that's after they made all these sacrifices for, this, for their own sins, for the sins of the nation. And then for, for, for a short time, they're allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. Where, where is it here in this church? I can't remember how it was set up. But anyway, that bit that no one else is allowed to go into... And to make sure that no one even looked into there, they had this great big curtain. And, um, and, 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 and that's where, uh, metaphorically, God dwelt. And where the high priest would actually talk with God and come out. Um, do you remember what happened on the cross? Several things happened, uh, explanations. Uh, at the point of Jesus dying, something happened with that curtain torn in two from top to bottom so that it fell open. And I'm not too sure if the crowd rushed in or if God rushed out. I actually think it was probably the latter. Because that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. I am with you always. <laughs> and wasn't that the place that, the, that um, Genesis started with? We can actually see in our minds... God walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening. <laughs> but then all of a sudden he had to expel them because of their, to, to protect them. But now the Lord Jesus says, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the age. That's the earthly age. That's the age where sin will sort of impede and get in our ways and try and get us not to follow the Lord Jesus. Because after this age, we'll be in the very presence of God, <laughs> eternally, no sin around, no harm whatsoever. 
how does it's described in Revelation? Every tear will be wiped away. There's no death in heaven, no heartache. Some people think that oh, they'll recognise their, their um, deceased spouse. I'll say, I don't think you will actually care about your deceased spouse because when you're looking in the very face of the Lord Jesus, everybody is as good as your spouse, <laughs> your loved one. And here you are together embracing each other in the very presence of Almighty God. But here we have this promise before then. So whether we're going to Europe or even as far away as Canberra, man, oh man, who would go down there? As you go, brothers and sisters, make it your point to live for the glory of God, to make disciples, brothers and sisters in Christ who will share eternity with you. We ought to be saying that with great conviction because that's why the Lord Jesus came to die. And if it's good enough for the Lord Jesus to come to die for, who am I? And what am I but blessed to be engaged in the ministry that he is engaged in? Just in closing, this passage of scripture is indeed for those who know the Lord Jesus. But I trust that if you don't know the Lord Jesus as the one who has forgiven your sins, the one who has adopted you into his eternal kingdom, well, I trust that you might have actually had a peek into the life of God's intent for his people and the brothers and sisters in Christ around you. So the invitation today is still there. If you are not a disciple of the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus says, come. Accept me as your saviour. I'm ready and willing to forgive your sins. I wonder if you'd join with me in reciting John 3.16. It's a verse that will have all different versions of Let's try it. God so loved the world that he gave his only son and whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's the gospel invitation. To believe in Jesus as the one in whom we have eternal life, the forgiveness of sins. You'd like to talk a bit more about this. I'm going to dob him in. Ben Ray would love to talk to you. If you'd like to, talk to, like to talk to someone a little bit uh, nicer and calmer and threatening, Naomi would uh, like to talk to you. I can only say that because I know these guys really, really well. And I know they can actually point you and pray with you about becoming a Christian. Let me pray for you now.